This is a shock podcast. everyone this is Jonathan hey everyone this is Jed and welcome back to season 2 of our podcast from grit to great Jed welcome back hey, yes welcome back as well it's been How a are long you doing? time i am doing very very well and you know i just realized starting this episode of the second season i realized that we didn't really give a proper goodbye on our last episode in season 1 we didn't and so we apologize to our listeners yeah. i've been getting a lot of messages on facebook and on linkedin saying hey we need episode 11 we need episode 12 and i had to reply to everyone saying I'm sorry that was the last episode of season 1 so thank you for hanging on so Jed what's going to be different this season 2 is or also we're going to be asking our listeners to actively participate we'd like you guys to send in your topics we do have our own schedules already but we're very open things can always change we can always be resilient in changing the topics and so if you have anything in mind under the sun about career management leadership motivation because that's going to be the crux of our conversations in every episode please send them in my email address by the way so i'll take care of this by the way jed jonathan yabot at jycvasia.com so send them in and we can't wait to get your comments jed since yes. we're talking about getting back after the long break and since we've taken a break things also have settled down in the world the pandemic i think is finally i'm going to put a quote in unquote finally getting better so we're mm-hmm. going to talk about something that a lot of us have been confronting thing this past few weeks and that is we are all being asked to go back to the office are we ready to go back to the office are you ready if you were an employee Jay, would you go back uh, you know I am just glad that things are getting back to normal these days all the clubs all the pubs all the restaurants are getting back to normal if I were a still an employee of course I really wouldn't want to go back to work yet but I would understand if I needed to be back in the office because my employer would really need me in the office yes mm-hmm. so in this episode we're going to talk about what are the trends that organizations have been doing to lure their employees back to the office and we're also going to giving some tips at the end of the episode some tips on how can you manage some anxiety if ever you feel uncomfortable being back in the cube Before I start the Jed, I want to talk about this. I was trying to search online and I checked out this survey conducted by an American company called Flex Jobs. And mm-hmm. in 2021, they conducted a survey about 2000 employees. FYI by the way, these employees are mostly based in United States and in Canada. So it might not be the same thing for Asia, but nevertheless it's the available data. So in their survey, they found out that employees either want to stay remote permanently That's about 65% or be in hybrid work option. And that's about 33%. So it seems like a lot of us don't want to go back to the normal five days a week being in the office. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Jed, so I want to give you the reasons why they'd rather stay home. So the first one is they don't want to change their daily routine, about 27%. The second reason is being away from family or this is something I can relate to recently being away with your pets that's 26% right. uh, office politics and distraction
distractions, which I think has something to do with, hey, I've been used to not seeing my enemy in the office, so why not continue that? That's about 34%. Childcare responsibilities. That's quite high, yeah. Childcare responsibilities is 15%. Lack of health and safety measures, 32%. And finally, being required to adhere to health and safety measures, 21%. So I guess it's because a lot of employees don't want to wear masks indoors for a long time. And if you have to be in the office, you need to do that. Yeah. So let's talk about the trends. Let's start first with the employers. Let's look at, let's do a scan of how employers around the world have been pivoting and evolving to the needs of their employees in the time of pandemic. So my first question is, do employers in the first place have the right to require their employees to return to work? Jed, what do you think? As an employer myself, yes, I do have a right because I think I would always make the business at the front of my priorities and my priority. Mm. And I think there is a difference between getting your colleagues and your employees at work versus them working from home because you couldn't really monitor their work. You couldn't Mm. monitor what they're really doing there because there's so many distractions. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. People just don't work 100% when they're working from home. But when you put people in the office, there is a higher possibility that they are more focused, that they are more productive. That's me. When you look at legalities of it, employers do really have the right in the same way that when you signed your employee contract prior to COVID-19 and it says there that you have to report to the office, there is no difference to how it is now given that safety has become a priority and we've been safer these days compared to how it was two years ago. There is a caveat however. So if people are asking, John, as an employee, what is my right if I would like to challenge my employee about requiring me to return to work? And that is employers need to ensure that they are practicing proper safety protocols, both on the architecture and the structure of the organization and also based on the interaction of the employees. And I would say this across all of my clients that I've encountered. I think a lot of organizations have been sharing best practices with each other. And I do Mm -hmm. think that they have been practicing proper safety protocol. My only other, my number two request, however, is, you know, when companies make these kinds of decisions, such as requiring your employees to go back to work, I wish that employers, managers, and leaders would do consultations first. Because remember, you still need to get buy-in of your employees, right? By the way, Chad, do you do that with your employees? Like you get their Um, buy-in first? For for critical and crucial moments, yes, I do ask that. Yeah. Mm. And if I were to also add, sometimes you have to do that theatrics. One thing that I'm always an advocate of is psychological safety, which is you make your employees feel that it's safe to ask questions or to challenge your Mm -hmm. ideas, even if you are the boss. And sometimes even if I've already made up my mind, like let's say, for example, I was choosing a color for a certain poster and I've already made up my mind. You know, I would still ask that question for my employees, even if I know that I already chose blue versus red, because I want them to know that when I ask questions to them, it makes them feel that their opinions count. And when their opinions are solicited, they always feel that they were part of the output, which makes them feel better and valued in the organization. Agreed. So I want to share some case studies. What have been employers doing lately to lure and entice their employees to go back to work? So I'll give one example in the Philippines. So the leading telecommunications company, which is Globe Telecom, what they've done this March is that they have announced that all of their employees are going to be back to work starting April 
naman. However, they also recognized that not everyone wants to go yet. So what they did was that March was for people who want to optionally go to the office. So it's like their dry run. Anyone who wants to go to the office this March, this entire month, fine, you can do so. But by April 1, everyone's going to be required. So I think that's a good thing because it's voluntary first and then you test out the waters and see how the employees feel and then you require them afterwards. Of course, it might backfire because if no one goes to the office for the entire month of March, it's like everyone is shouting out that, hey, we don't want to go back to work. Right. But I've, I've seen the Globe office, however, the headquarters in Fort Bonifacio here in the Philippines and it's an amazing office. So I don't see the reason why their employees don't want to go back to work. How about you, Jed? Can you give me an example of some of your admired companies and how they've been luring their employees to go back to the office? Um, one company that I know of is IBM mm-hmm. whereby they do faces of people. By faces, you mean? Mm. Phases. There are phases for coming back to work according to the job role. So for example, those who need to first access the equipment on site, those who are really... Uh, that's required. phase one. That's, that's good. Yeah. That right. makes sense. And, and then some phases would be for those who are really needing to be at work could be because of their job role, because of what they really need to do. So there are phases. So there there is a priority here that they put in. That makes sense. And it's based on the functionality of the employee. I want to add another one. I'm an alumnus of GlaxoSmithKline, one of the leading pharmaceutical companies in the world. So my colleagues who are still there, I love their policy we're in. If you are doing indoor meetings, they have this 20-minute rule or 30-minute rule, which means you can't prolong the meeting for more than that time because there's just risk of the exposure that everyone is in the same place. They're also asking folks that if you are, let's say, in the pantry or in another part of the room, don't stay too long. Try to rotate. I'm not sure if there is science actually behind this, but I do understand that you're trying to limit the exposure of being with the same person for the longest time. Right. Right. So I, I think this idea also reminds me of this has happened even before COVID-19. Jed, are you familiar with Agile Workspace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, it's more of an architectural intervention or an articulation to making no permanent workstations, workstations. For, the, mm. uh, for the workers. Yeah. So for some of our listeners who may not be familiar about this, in an Agile Workspace regime, you don't have a permanent workstation, which means whenever you go to the office, you can just choose which table or cubicle do you like to settle down. You have lockers that are provisioned to you, it, it really looks like it's a high school. Like you have yeah. your own lockers, you leave your stuff there, and then you congregate according to the teams that you are working with. So obviously, the marketing department folks can be in the same room or in the same floor. But if you happen to be working in a cross-functional team, someone from the finance, someone from procurement, someone from legal could be positioning themselves in that same area for two weeks or three weeks until the project ends. And I like this again because even before COVID-19, there have been plans already of making people not stationed in the same place for the longest time. So I guess after all, Agile Workspace now has another benefit to it. I mentioned this earlier, the Jones Lang LaSalle in Tokyo, Japan. 
they are spearheading this movement of having this kind of agile workspaces. So Jones Lang LaSalle is a real estate project manager slash real estate developer slash property developer. They're pretty much a consultant as well of office spaces. They wish that many spaces, working spaces in Japan would be more of a no permanent workstations at all. Like a co-working space, right? It's a co-working space, lockers only, no permanent desks for anybody. So it's all clean. So it's literally like a cafeteria where you eat and then you clean as you go. In this case, mm. you put in your stuff in the locker room, put it down where you choose where you want to work on that day. And then you leave again, put your laptops back in your lockers when you leave. I'm also going to add one more trend, which I think more of like some companies have been doing it prior to COVID-19, but now they have been seen as a best practice. So when I was 23 years old, that's more than 10 years. Ago, just to reveal my age. Procter & Gamble, I knew because I had some colleagues who became management trainees in Procter & Gamble. And this was way back in 2007, 2008. They've already been practicing hybrid work regime wherein four days you are in the office and every Friday people are working from home. Imagine that, right? So it's been a while and the only thing that they've done differently is that because you now require your employees to work also from home, the company subsidizes the internet connection of their employees' households. Isn't that generous, Jed? Speaking of good <laughs> internet connection. <laughs> so I, I like this because I think when you equip your people to get their job done, you're not only changing the schedule, you're also equipping them how to get their job done at home. While I understand that not everyone has the budget of Procter & Gamble, you know, the Unilevers, the Johnson & Johnsons, or the Colgate Palmolive, I do think that because they've proven that this is something that works, I think that the future of companies is that they will allot more budget into this. Mm-hmm. Jed, do you give internet subsidies for your employees, by the way? Or well, you're too small to do that? In, in our office, in our sort of office, we do have an internet connection there. So let's leave it to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we just talked about what are the trends that organizations have been doing to lure their employees to go back to work. Let's now talk about the tips. Let's put yourselves into the shoes of an employee who's anxious. And guys, we have to be accepting of how people's level of anxiety are different. For some people, they're very nonchalant and say, ah, it's just COVID. You can't say that to someone who probably has lost a loved one because of COVID-19. So everyone's threshold for accepting the reality is different versus yours. Don't impose and don't judge and don't dismiss that it's so petty when it's something that has traumatized some people. So let's say you're that person who feels a level of anxiety for going back to work. Let's give some tips, Jed. So my first one, I want to go to the route of the legality again. If you're being required by your company to go back to work, you have to be aware of the legal considerations for returning to work. Now, we've talked about this a while ago. We've said that generally across the world, organizations do have the right to require you to go back to the office in the same fashion that when you signed your employee contract, you were required to report to the office. However, if your anxiety is coming from the idea that you don't think you're body is physically equipped 
to take on the risk, there are a lot of ways to manage it. So just for example, if you think that your medical condition is at high risk, let's say you're asthmatic, you're immunocompromised or whatever condition that you have, one way is to get a doctor's certification so you can get exemption that you can continue working from home. I remember this, Jed. Um, remember what happened to our father? So our dad, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, at the age of 62, is still works. He still works for the government. He's an engineer in the metro stations in Manila. And I remember when I was reading the document when my father got sick and I was telling them, no, you're not going to report to the office. I remember there was a clause there that says, as long as the employee can prove that he is not physically fit or mentally fit to get to the office, the company will find ways to make the employee work from home, which I think is a generous thing to consider for your folks. Jed, what about you? So my tip is basically to manage your anxiety very gradually. I mean, like what you mentioned earlier, John, everyone has a different threshold for managing their anxiety. Some people could be very dreadful of going back to work instantly. So start with small gestures. For example, when you do have meetings, probably start your meetings outdoors. Mm. Um, suggest to your colleagues, suggest to your boss if we can meet outdoors in a cafe, in an alfresco restaurant or cafe, maybe that will be better for you. And also, you know, when you do meetings as well, maybe try to limit yourself with only like 20 minute meetings with your colleagues. I mean, I'm talking about person to person meetings, right? Try to limit yourself being in a very enclosed space for a long time. I mean, we all know what to do anyway, in terms of following the protocols, whether you are inside an office, whether you're in a public space, whether you're in a private space. And I think using those protocols as well, we've been used to in the workspace could actually help you ease out your anxiety. So use them as well, I think. You know what works, Jed? What works well for me is that sometimes all I need to do is to expose myself to the experience. Because most of the time, when you haven't experienced something yet, your paranoia goes up. Such as, for example, if you've never experienced being with a group of people, even if it's outdoors, the more you increase your paranoia, oh no, even if I go outside, I think I will contract the virus. But when those moments happen, that I was finally able to go out for some coffee and a few days later, nothing happened to me, it made me more confident to understand, ah, okay, so I'm safe. I didn't get sick. I guess I can do that again as long as I practice safety protocols. So I was doing it not just for my body, but I was doing it for my mind. And that sometimes your mind needs to be exposed to those repeated experiences for you to convince yourself that everything is going to be fine. Do you agree? Yes, of course. And I think you are trying to self-medicate yourself here. (laughs) Because knowing you, you're the person who really did not want to be in public space. No, yeah, I mean, you know, ladies and gentlemen, can I just say, my brother and I always fight about this. We're total opposites when it comes to this. So my brother, as an entrepreneur, he meets a lot of clients. He meets a lot of people. Every time, so every Sunday, I would go home to to our parents' house. and And every time he goes home, I would like, did you take a bath? Did you wash your hands? Did you wear your mask? I would always do that to him in the earlier days of COVID-19. And we would always fight about it and Jed would dismiss it. And by the way, Jed, I think this goes with a saying, how do you eat an elephant? Do you know how to eat an elephant? 
I don't eat elephants. People don't eat elephants. But when we do, metaphorically speaking, we do it bite by bite. That's right. So we eat elephants bit by bit. And I think that goes to show that when you are faced with a problem or a vision, don't look at it as a one entire thing. Look at it according to phases, according to time, according to schedules, according to departments or according to teams. Same thing here. If you're managing such anxiety, slowly, gradually ease yourself into the situation rather than doing it cold turkey. When you want to quit smoking, you don't quit for an entire week. You quit by not smoking in the morning and probably you need to give yourself some opportunity to smoke at night. And then try to gradually graduate into not smoking for two to three days and then have a smoke again on the fourth or fifth day. Third, can I just add this case study because it's one of my favorite case studies. Don't hesitate to ask and suggest something to your leaders and managers because at the end of the day, you guys are going to be the recipients of any policy that the company will do. So Nestle employees were required to go back to work earlier, not just this 2022, but even last year. This is at least in Nestle Philippines. And the problem that a lot of employees faced was that not all of them were provisioned with cars or not all of them literally don't have cars because not all of them are blessed to have their own transportation. So what the employee said is, hey, if you're requiring us to go to the office, that also poses a risk to my colleagues because if I contract the virus while commuting in public, commuting in trains, commuting in jeepneys, commuting in taxi, then I wish that there was a way for me to drive by myself. So you know what the company did when they voiced that out? The company instead provided subsidies. So they gave money subsidies for people who don't have their own cars so that they can either rent a car or worst case scenario, at least instead of riding a train, they can take a grab. And I think that only worked because the employee vocalized and they didn't hesitate to tell this to their own managers and leaders. So for me, if an employee feels that they can vocalize and share their thoughts, then the employees themselves can also manage their anxiety at some point because they know that when they ask for something, someone can act on it later on. Mm-hmm. Jed, before we end, I mean, time flies so fast. I've been enjoying this conversation again because yeah. I've missed talking to you. I've missed hanging out and also hearing some thoughts from our Listeners, any parting words about COVID-19 and how we think that probably it's going to be the end of it this 2022? I really wish that it would be any parting words for COVID-19 because I really wish COVID-19 to leave (laughs) and be erased from the face of the earth. No, I mean, in terms of parting words for the first episode, I guess, I just wish that things would become more normal for everyone. It's been two years and new fresh graduates are actually were unable to. They were deprived. They were deprived of what the joys and the perils of being in a company, being in an office environment. Right. And what I wish is that people would be more open minded in terms of experiencing it anew post COVID 19. Because, mm. you know, mm. there might be changes in your office, there might be changes in the system and the layouts of your offices. And I think, like what I mentioned earlier, a lot of offices now have learned how to move forward coming out of this pandemic. And so those systems are already, hopefully, are in place and that there would be something new to look forward to for the employees. So... Okay. 
let's be more cooperative, I would say, with our employers. If they really wish for us to go back to work, let's be more open-minded about it. And let's not 100% resist and be hesitant about going back to work. Because after all, what the employers wish is for the company to actually move forward from the lag of the two years that the pandemic has brought to us. Mm. us. Same thing. I would go same thing. My parting word would be, I wish that all those leaders and managers who have been directing the path of organizations finally learn their lesson about adopting technology as fast as they can. Because one of the most frustrating things that I think a lot of organizations learned is that it took a pandemic for them to make those bold moves. It took a pandemic for them to finally invest in remote communication technology. It took a pandemic for them to realize that people are still productive even if you make them work from home. And I wish that that doesn't happen again. If you listen well to what your employees are asking, needing, and if you can find ways to experiment, validate, and do a kickoff of that experiment using proper execution, then I think a lot of companies would be in a better situation without a pandemic even happening in the first place. So Jed, I hope you enjoy your week ahead and I can't wait to catch you in the next episode. We got so many topics that we've Yes, I'm very excited and we would be having guests as well along the way. See you guys and we hope to catch you soon. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. 